Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. If you enjoy royal media in addition to current events and history within the British royal family, then you have found your home. Hit that subscribe button and hit that bell icon down below so you can stay up to date on all things happening here on the channel. The air in the spare. In television and film, it is a trope that gets exacerbated a lot. It helps propel the drama forward, it keeps things entertaining, it adds extra drama, it gives a sense of stake, and it helps keep a period drama feel like some sense of grounding in history. Prince Harry, in his aptly named book Spare, discusses what that childhood was like living in these categories, William being the heir and him being the spare and all the other grandchildren being various spares in their own right. Apparently behind closed doors, the line of succession doesn't exist just on a piece of paper. It is actually a true pecking order that the firm really decides who gets what, who goes where, and ultimately, apparently, it can be very isolating and very traumatizing. Today, we're going to look back at that. What does it mean to be the heir? What does it mean to be to be, be the spare? Why does this system exist? And how, in my opinion, it's only leading to a lot of the problems that we're seeing in within the firm, within the family, that then, of course, gets leaked out to the press. But before we get into it today, as always, sources for today are going to be down in the show notes, as well as links to all the socials and the PayPal donation if you feel so inclined to donate to the show. So, let's start at the very beginning. Where does the concept of the heir and the spare come from? This all comes down to a concept called primogeniture. Primogeniture, in a nutshell, is the tradition understanding it is a legal concept where it decides inheritance. Who will inherit and where the inheritance begins, and it ultimately comes down to the eldest son. At, you know, whoever that first eldest son is, especially from that biological father, that is who inherits that, who gets the title. One thing over here in America that sometimes we don't fully un understand is it's a title isn't just a title. It typically comes with land. It comes with a family seat. There's money. There's probably a big investment portfolio. There, there might be governmental duties. There might be duties to the crown. There might be duties to the community. There's much more that comes to a title than just an additional additional thing on your proverbial name tag. No, inheriting the title is a really big deal, and it comes down to family tradition and the concept of pre primogeniture. I've also heard it called absolute primogeniture, but it all comes down to preserving that bloodline through the male line and it all comes down to the firstborn son the eldest born son no matter how many daughters you have up uh in in the front the moment that that firstborn son comes in that is who inherits and that is who the line follows all the other daughters eventually get married off when dealing with the title peerage, when dealing with the royal family, really any royal family the idea of producing an heir and then having a spare as the backup is something that has existed for centuries and is really a sort of, sort of pressure because when you look there's even a whole wikipedia page de de dedicated to this specifically over in the uk there's a whole series of extinct or titles that don't exist anymore again because they didn't have someone to inherit the title they didn't have following the line okay eldest male eldest son who has it first it doesn't eventually those eventually go exist but when we look back objectively at history there's always been these air crises there's always been in some way shape or form who's going to inherit who's who who's going to do this some of these crises have happened more recently especially when we look all the way back over 100 years ago to the romanov family the romanovs when reading her book the romanov sisters the Tsarina and the Tsar were put under a lot of pressure to produce a son. 
We've all seen the animated film. They had four daughters before they eventually got to their heir. And all the eldest daughters, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, had the expectation that they were going to marry into other royal houses and probably be queens or grand duchesses in their own right. In fact, there was actually a push for Olga, the eldest, to marry uh, the future King Edward VIII, but we sadly know how history goes in that regard. But this air crisis really hits home with the House of Windsor, especially when dealing with Diana, Princess of Wales, in her book, Diana in Her Own Words by Andrew Morton, and just various in interviews, especially in the Martin Bashir interview, everybody thought she was going to be the boy. Everybody thought she was going to be the heir. So when she was born, and of course knew she was a girl, that really, again, put more pressure on, the, on her mother and father and really divided. And she, in some ways, held herself in a little bit of guilt because she wasn't the boy that her parents had hoped for and that she had wished she could have been that. And possibly the marriage could have been a little better. Her parents could have stayed married. She held a lot of internal guilt for not being the heir and not being the son that they had so hoped for. So we already have very close to the House of Windsor this heir crisis. But what about the heir and the spare causes this disparity within the House of Windsor? Well, the heir has a very set string of rules. The heir has very much, they know what their destiny is going to be, whether they like it or not. And both William and Harry have said they don't really lay up at night. You know, you know, I'm going to be king. My brother's going to be king. You know, they really don't sit up at night. It's not really a job they fully want. It's just how the things go. The heir has a very strict set of rules. They know their expectations. They know their, the duties that they have to do. They typically get a different education, something to do with, you know, constitutional history, history of government, politics, some form of public affairs. Again, they have a set string of rules. The spare is always on standby, hence you know, spare. They're just there. They don't really get this as much education. There isn't a lot of pressure for their education in order to be drilled in this much of constitutional law, constitutional history, governmental history, military history. There isn't this much pressure on the air. They just have to be there, do their duty up until a point, and then they start their eventual fall down the line of succession. A spare could be that immediate spare. It could, there could be a whole series of spares, typically within within the top 10. In fact, you could see as the line of succession is just the list of spares that, that are there. But that is a disparity. The air has set expectations, set rules, a set thing of duty. It can be very constrictive. The spare has a sense of duty. They know what they need to do, but they have something that the heir doesn't have. A sense of freedom. A sense to kind of really do whatever they want as long as they keep their nose clean to a point. They don't air out too much. And historically, we have seen, and we'll look at some examples, where each wants what the other has. And this is something that we see exacerbated a lot in the crown when dealing with Queen Elizabeth II and Princess Margaret. That is something that they like to exacerbate. Media really likes to exacerbate with that. But they want what the other has. The heir has so much expectation and pressure on them that all they want to do is be free. But the spare wants more stuff to do. They want it. They want to feel needed. They want to feel wanted. It can be very lonely being the spare. So they want always what the other wants. And in turn creates a lot of problems within the royal family. And this separation between the two, in my opinion, leads to a lot of problems and internal affairs getting worse because of the separation between the two. The most famous example between the heir and the spare and the spare really not knowing what to do is King Edward VIII and King George VI. 
when King Edward VIII was just a Prince of Wales and assuming into his duties, he was really loved by the public. He had, he understood his sense of duty. He was really outgoing work. He was going with George V and Queen Mary out on outings and he really had a good sense of duty. He was young. He was fit. He was athletic. He did military work. He was single. So everybody was really drawn to him. He really seemed to be doing a great job. And at the time, if my memory's correct, he was considered at the time one of the best Prince of Wales that they'd had thus far. Well, we all know how history happens and he abdicated. And the Duke of York, Prince Albert, became King George VI, and he was thrust into a position that he fully had no training for. He was a good spare. He did his royal duties, especially with uh, the young Queen Mother when they were just Duke and Duchess of York. They had their home at 145 Piccadilly. They had their two daughters, and they were comfortable in the life that they were living in the 30s, but then the writing was on the wall, and the situation eventually changed, But and he didn't have enough training. He was really thrust into it. He had essentially a year crash course that to get him ready. And then he was thrust onto the world stage as king. And then World War II happened. The Queen Mother has cited that the that's what caused his pre-premature death. The stress and pressure of it all that he was not ready for. And a similar, the most famous version of the heir and the spare is, of course, as I've already said before, Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. One thing to note is that when Elizabeth was just Princess Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth of York, and even when she was Duchess of Edinburgh, she was never formally declared the heir apparent. She was always the heir presumptive because the king and queen could have a little prince and that little baby would usurp her and she would not be queen. But Elizabeth and Margaret, they're the most famous examples of an heir and a spare that truly wanted what the other had and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Margaret developed a lot of her playgirl tendencies, her behavior problems, and her reputation. Again, because the spare had all this freedom, she didn't have these duties and expectations set forth for her. What did she do? She went out. She partied. She drank. She smoked. She went to clubs. She played around with the more bohemian-type artsy group. All Margaret wanted, and in her childhood specifically, when Marion Crawford writes about it in The Little Princesses, Margaret wanted a better education. She wanted to know these things about history and the Constitution and geography and military. She wanted to know. She wanted that challenge. But everybody in the system told her, no, that's not necessary for you. Just go over here, smile, wave, do your series of engagements. And eventually what happened? She rebelled. She got her party girl rebel attitude and reputation 
and now she's a Princess Margaret that we all know that's really divisive subject. Going back a little over a century, we then have actually the crisis that was the ascension of Queen Queen Victoria, where there was no heir. The only child of King George King George IV, when he was still Prince Regent, Princess Charlotte, she died, so he had no child. The crown then immediately went to his brother, the spare. He didn't have any children. When he died, it would have gone to his, the, the younger brother, the Duke of Kent, but he died. And ultimately, between everybody else, there was a struggle to figure out who's going to have a child first. And ultimately, it went to Queen Victoria. And the Kensington system that she was brought up in and all the trauma there, but that's a story for another day. But that type of crisis of, oh my goodness, who has a child? Who are we going to go to? When you look back at the annals of royal history, that's happened a lot. With the ascension after Queen Anne died and when it went to crown went to uh, William and Mary and the weird Jameses over here. Our last little story that, that we'll talk about is actually the death of Prince Albert Victor and King George V. So Prince Albert Victor was the eldest son between... Um, the eventual King Edward VII and Queen Alexandra, but when they were Prince and Princess of Wales. Prince Albert Victor was the oldest, and Queen Victoria was really gung-ho about him marrying this little princess over here, Princess May of Teck. Eventually, uh, they would start to court. It was all great and wonderful. But then Prince Albert Victor got incredibly ill and died, meaning now the line of succession has shifted, and it now needs to go to the younger brother, and because of duty and marrying the heir, this May of Tech went on to then marry, and then they eventually became King George V and Queen Mary. We've talked about examples where the heir and the spare has caused this disparity, and in times when the spare has to take over, they're, they're utterly unprepared. That's not the first time. There have been times in history where the heir has tried to keep the spare on his side so they'll spoil or they'll try to do things to either make sure the heir doesn't get things or make sure the heir is calm so they don't try to seize seize the throne the concept of the heir and the spare within the house of windsor leads to in my opinion a lot of problems because there is this uncharted unknown freedom with the spare over here especially with prince william princess margaret princess anne Prince Andrew, there's this unpronounced freedom that can cause some issues that really leads to a couple shared characteristics. They typically have a pretty wild party phase. They then will rebel. They'll be very vulnerable in the public. They'll spend a lot of time in the public. They can uh, garnish this you know, bad royal, bad girl, bad boy ad attitude. And eventually they just continue to fall down on the line of succession until they slowly begin to fade from public eye, from public observation. And then they, they reappear at these big events as they get older and then they eventually die. The heir is the one that needs to be protected. They are the ones that will eventually take over. We need to keep the public on their side. We need to, they need to be very visible, but we need to keep everything there. So... We've seen a few times, especially with Prince William's alleged affairs, where those have seemingly been scrubbed clean. Those have been scrubbed clean. But notice, Prince Andrew had his big sexual assault scandal with all the drama with Prince Harry. The letters that got leaked with Princess Anne. There's a lot of things where they don't really protect the spares. It's always this direct line that they... And what does this do? We now have a divide. One brother's completely protected in the system. 
spoiled. They really tried to bend over backwards to keep happy. We then have this one that just gets subsequently thrown to the wolves because you're not in that direct line of succession. You don't truly matter. And now what do we have? A feud. It's known that Charles and Andrew are, you know, his, what was once his uh, spare for a good while. And Andrew's no longer welcome in Buckingham Palace. He has to find somewhere else to house his offices. It's one thing, this is what kept sticking in my in my, in my mind. This this whole disparity between the heir and the spare, how this is truly caught. This is, this is where a lot of the problems are, where could possibly be one of the sources of the rift between the, the, the royal brothers. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm just you know conjecturing here but the air and the spare adds extra pressure and an extra sense of importance to a family that based off who they are have they're they're not normal and they will never be normal so the air and the spare in my opinion this distinction in the firm where one party gets all this treatment prince harry talks about that where they had the split in the rooms of balmoral where harry's uh, harry's side looked vastly different from what williams looked like in the nursery to even in the press where william gets a lot of protection in the system and harry really got thrown to to the wolves subsequently this disparity between the air and the spare it's real and it's not just a piece something that happens on a piece of paper the house of windsor actually distinctly treats them different when as history has shown the spare will try to usurp the throne the air will get sick and die and now the spare has to come in and now this disparity in treatment they're underprepared so I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is not becoming a circular conversation, but the air and the spare, this absolute primogeniture of it all, in my opinion, is where a source of a lot of these prob problems are and can sort of reflect in the past few years why things have been so public with these problems. Notice they've been with Prince Harry, the spare, he's not being protected anymore. But I digress, I digress, I digress. The air and the spare, it's not just a feud that exists within media and within film. It is a feud that truly, really exists, that in any royal household, that discussion, I believe there was drama about it with the Swedish royal family, again, about their line of success. What do you think? Let me know down in the comments below. What do you think about this discussion about the air and the, sp air, air and the spare? Is it, am, am I reading too much into it? Or is this something that is something that truly exists? This disparity between the two and how this can cause a lot of problems. Let me know down below. I would really love to hear what you have to say. And as always, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Links to socials and sources are in the show notes. And I will see you in the next one.